Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will begin looking at the very last verses of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 21 to 24. I don't know if we'll get through all of it, but we did cover a surprising amount of ground in the previous episode, so anything's possible. As we get into this text, uh, these are the just the closing. This is final greetings is how it's ascribed in my one, one of my Bibles, uh, just these last uh, four verses, 21, 22, 23, and 24. And so it's not really doctrinal, but there is something for us to learn in that. Paul said to the church at Philippi that for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, and a few verses later, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, Philippians 1, 21 and verse 23. We should all share that sentiment with him, really. If you are a believer, then our true desire should be to be with Christ, not just be here on earth. And I can tell you honestly that my chief desire is to see Christ, who died for my sins and took the penalty of those sins upon himself. I want to see him as he truly is, to be free from this body of sin and death. Or, in the words of Don Wurtzen, who wrote up uh, a very nice hymn that's about heaven, he said, of waking up in glory and finding it home. Someone once said something to the effect of this, show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what's important in your life. We could further parse that and say that if you show me how you spend your time, then I'll know what you love the most. If you show me where your interests are, then it will give me a glimpse into your heart. Now, I'll be the first to grant that not all believers necessarily share the same interests, but there is something that they should share in in that regard. Like Jude 3 states, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That is something that we share in common, and I would argue that the things of faith should interest us as believers. One thing that is true of all Christians is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Upon our salvation, we all receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, and also here in Ephesians 1, verse 13. And then that same Holy Spirit indwells each believer, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Because we all share this same Holy Spirit and we're all transformed and we are all new creatures as the scriptures proclaim, 2 Corinthians 5.17, then it stands to reason that the things which please the Spirit who indwells us would begin to please the believer. And I would argue that these things should interest and please every believer. I'm not talking about sports whether they be college or pro, I'm not talking about music, I'm not talking about movies or martial arts, I'm not even talking about the beauty of God's creation, from the mountains to the deserts to the tropics. I'm talking about things that have eternal value. And so as we go into this last section here in the final verses of Ephesians, I would say this, that believers ought to have certain desires while walking this earthly pilgrimage. If you are a believer and you're still with me on this podcast, uh, number one, thank you for taking the time to tune in, and I appreciate that. I know that our time is valuable. 
But the chances are you're probably a believer at this point, hard to wade through the entire book of Ephesians, this letter to the Ephesians, and not be confronted with the gospel over and over. If you're not, I pray that you will be. But if you are, and you are a Christian, then you ought to have certain desires while you walk this earthly pilgrimage. And it is a pilgrimage. Uh, We can truly take on the words that are ascribed uh, about describing Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11 said that he was a pilgrim. He was wandering, looking for a city who had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. I love that verse in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's really what we're doing as believers as well. So now as we get into the text and we have this proposition governing us that we ought to have certain desires while walking this earthly pilgrimage, well, let's look at what those desires are. First, in verses 21 and 22, we see this, that believers should be interested in the ministry. You ought to be, believe, you, you, A, you ought to be a believer, and if you are a believer and you are a Christian, you're part of the church, then you ought to be interested in ministry. Here's what Paul says in verse 21, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So believers ought to be interested in the ministry. And the first thing that we notice under this is that believers should take personal interest in ministry, even outside of their church. Now, the immediate context is going to help us to really see this, okay? This is, first of all, it's a prison epistle. And we actually just saw in verse 20 that Paul Uh, says that he is in chains, right? He's an ambassador in chains. And, And then we see this, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Uh, in verse 21, seems to refer to the matters that are relating to the state of Paul's trial before the emperor's court. That's really what's in view here when he's saying that you may know how I am. It's not just a general, hey, how's the weather? Just because I have nothing better to talk about. It's that we're interested in those who are laboring for the ministry. Now, we're introduced to this person, Tychicus. Tychicus seems to be another disciple of Paul's. He was always mentoring people and always being assisted. Okay, that's just what Paul did. And by the way, that's a good pattern in ministry, and we see that. And uh, I think some of the healthiest ministries are emulating that. Uh, you have this multi generational spiritual reproduction that is outlined for us in 2 Timothy 2 2. The things which you have heard from me, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We have a multi generational spiritual reproduction happening there, which means you're not just an end to yourself. Uh, you ought to be passing this along to the next generation. Paul was always discipling somebody and training them up in the ministry. And so Tychicus seems to be another disciple. As we said, he was always mentoring. He was always being assisted. He had people to help him write, no doubt, to help him every in everyday life. But knowing the Paul the way we do through scriptures, he was pouring into everybody. When he wrote the letter to the Philippians, he had Epaphroditus with him, Philippians 2, verse 25, and Philippians 4, 18. Timothy was a longtime disciple, groomed for the ministry. And we know also from the letter to Colossians that Tychicus was with Paul long enough to be mentioned there as well in Colossians 4, verse 7. Uh, Here's what one commentator said of Tychicus. 
He was from the province of Asia, where Ephesus was located, and had become a trusted associate at the end of Paul's third missionary journey. He had been among the seven representing the Pauline churches in the collection for the poor in Jerusalem. As Paul's personal envoy, he bore the letter to Colossae as well as Ephesians, perhaps at the same time, and he updated both churches on Paul's situation. Later, he would be sent to Crete, Titus 3.12, then to Ephesus, possibly with the second letter to Timothy, that's 2 Timothy 4.12, written shortly before Paul's death. So Tychicus appears to have been with Paul for the last several years of his life and to have functioned as Paul's personal representative to the churches. So that's kind of piecing it all together through the scriptures. That's who Tychicus is. And we find then this description of him, not only the things that we can kind of piece together geographically and through all the other letters, but here's what Paul specifically says about him. You know, that you may know how I'm doing is obviously the direct antecedent to that, that he's an ambassador and change. But then he says, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Now, he is called here a brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. Our closest relationships really ought to be with other believers. And now we see that the interest isn't just about Paul. There's an aspect where it extends to Tychicus as well. When we are saved, we are adopted into God's family. That is an incredible truth. And so it is not an exaggeration. It's not just some figure of speech that people throw around. But there is a very real aspect that when I am saved, when Jesus gloriously saves me and opens my eyes and gives me a heart of flesh and replaces that heart of stone that was there previously and and awakens me from spiritual death, all those things, and I, I now become alive in Christ, the other people that are alive in Christ now become family members, and we have adoption language, and uh, we know that. So there is a very real aspect that when we address other people in the church and we get to know them and because we're supposed to be fellowshipping, we're supposed to be worshiping, we're supposed to be doing all of those things, that they are actually family members. And it makes sense to call somebody brother if they are a brother in Christ. And it makes sense to call somebody sister if they are a sister in Christ. And that is an incredible thing because we look at the people in the church around us and they truly are family and there becomes a sense that they are actually closer to us in many respects than our our actual physical families are. And that's really an incredible thing because of how much we are around each other and the things that we hold in common, you can see how that easily might be the case. And I have personally experienced this, so there's an anecdotal aspect uh, to that that I can give you uh, illustrations from personal experience, and I know others can as well. But here's just a, a common observation within humanity in general, that those that we share things with and share things in common with, uh, we tend, A, if we're in close proximity to them, I mean, so long distance relationships are very different. Uh, right? So, and even in today's technology and everything, usually the people that you are physically around more, you're generally going to get along with better. And the more that you actually hold in common with each other, then the closer you're going to be. So what happens when your actual blood relatives want nothing to do with Christ 
and you share very little in common, you, you still have a relationship to them by virtue of the fact that there's blood there in the, the family tree, right? But the people that are in the church, you see on a regular basis and you hold the faith in common. And that is just a glorious, glorious thing. And so uh, when he calls him brother, that's not just something lighthearted. That is a real, that's a, that's a real term of affection, knowing that they both share in the family of God. But not only is he brother, he's called a faithful minister in the Lord. So he is training him up. We see a little bit of insight into this. He's his assistant in the ministry. He's, he, you know, he's discipling Tychicus. And now the things that Tychicus are doing, those things are falling under this umbrella of ministry. No doubt he is teaching Tychicus to disciple others. So there's that discipling aspect is going, going on as well. Tychicus may have opportunities to preach uh, and to teach the word of God. And, and he's entering in seasons of prayer, all of that. But the thing that's interesting about this is not just that he is a minister in the Lord. He is a faithful minister. Now, is, does that mean that he's faithful to Paul? Well, probably, but the faithful there is probably faithful to the Lord. He's faithful to what he is called to do as a minister. When you go and look at what uh, the the pastor teacher does, and and you look at the role of the church, and and we know that Paul said to the church at Ephesus uh, in later on in the book of Acts, Acts twenty or twenty one. I don't remember off the top of my head. He says that later on, after my departure, grievous wolves will rise up from your own midst. He's talking to the elders at Ephesus, and he's saying that false teachers often come from within the ministry itself, not just from within the church, but many pastors will be turned, showing and revealing ultimately that they were never Christ to begin with, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. But he says here, after spending a good deal of time with Tychicus, years it seems like, as we observed earlier, that Tychicus truly is faithful. He, he is true to the gospel to which he was called. And there is something to be said for that. There is, it's very commendable. Uh, not every church is going to be a big flashy church with big flashy programs. But if you have a pastor there who is a faithful minister of the word of God, that's uh, that is huge. Uh, what more could you ask for, honestly? Because you want somebody who is faithful all the way to the end. Then he says that Tychicus will tell you everything. No holds barred, no sugarcoating it, no just giving the highlights and the glamour and all, you know, just skipping a, a stone across the top here. He's saying, listen, uh, he's going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Uh, he's going to tell you about the suffering. He's going to tell you about advancements, the setbacks, persecution. And really hidden away in this, not trying to read too much into this, but just when we recognize the, the just pure honesty that's here, when he says he'll tell you everything, we need to avoid sugar-coated Christianity. And if I could just say from personal observation, it seems like a lot of churches within broader evangelicalism are trying to present Christianity in a certain way and to make it palatable and appealing and appetizing to the unsaved and even to weak, anemic uh, Christians or people who maybe don't even know the true gospel. 
But that's not the way we're supposed to do it. We don't just sit here and say everything is fine and it's all wonderful. And once you become a Christian, your life just gets better and better and better. And God just wants to bless you. And there's no room for sickness. There's no room for poverty. You just need to speak those things away because that just doesn't jive with a Christian life. That is just absolute pure nonsense. Let me just say that because that's, that's not what we find in the New Testament. You know what God's will for Paul was? That he die in prison? According to today's prosperity gospel, they would rebuke Paul and tell him he didn't have enough faith to get himself out of prison. That's ridiculous. And I'm getting off on a soapbox, but we need to understand that that Christianity is to be presented just as it is. And Paul actually says from his very quill, right? And this is from the mouth of God, actually, because we understand that he's inspired. He's carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the process of inspiration, he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, shall suffer persecution. Not maybe, but will suffer persecution. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. But we ought to take interest, a personal interest in ministry and those who are faithful in that. Uh, and then there's a broader application as we consider this immediate context of Paul and Tychicus and the church at Ephesus, Right. Uh, believers should be encouraged by the work of ministry globally, just in a very broad sense, and, and we'll stop here. But in a very broad sense, when we think about the furtherance of the gospel, the gospel going into the world on a global level, we ought to be encouraged by that. That's why hopefully you're praying on a regular basis for missionaries. You're encouraged by the advance of the gospel in other places outside of your local church. Learning of ministry in other places should not only be of interest, it should encourage. It's the same word as one of the titles and works of the Holy Spirit, right? He's called a paraclete in the King James, and that word comes from the Greek parakaleo, to encourage, to comfort. That's the word here. And so that's what he says. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, no holds barred, you get to know everything, and that he may encourage your heart. And that's what we, that should be the effect of ministry on our hearts, and it should be our desire to encourage other believers wherever we go. So if you travel on business and you find a believer on the plane or in, in, a, in another city where you're traveling for business, mutually encourage one another, rejoice in the work of the ministry. I had an opportunity a few months ago. I was flying back. Uh, I travel on a semi-regular basis, and I was flying across the country, and I had an opportunity to sit next to a young, newly, fairly newly married couple. They hadn't quite been married a year, and they were both believers, and we had an incredible time on the flight. Uh, no books, no movies, no, you know, we just rejoiced in the gospel, and I learned about their conversion. They told me about their, their salvation testimonies and where they were. I knew a little, little bit about churches in their city. So we talked about that and we just tried to encourage one another. And we ought to take joy and be encouraged when we see that the gospel is going out around the world because this is God's plan. And that is a really encouraging thing. So believers should be interested in the ministry. That's where we'll end our discussion today, and we'll cover the last two verses of this letter in our next episode. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. 
If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.